ever stop to think that the best and worst place to live is in your mind? Think about it. We can create our own destiny or our own downfall. It all has to do with the way that we choose to think and see things. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, with your host, Dr. Paula Joyce. Dr. Paula is here with her guest experts to show you just how to change that negative way of thinking and see your world in a positive light. Now, here is Dr. Paula. Welcome to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and I'm grateful to be here with and for you today. You are all part of a global community with fellow listeners in over 1,200 regions from literally every corner of the world. Thank you for being here with and for me and for continuing to spread the word to your friends, relatives, and colleagues. A special note of gratitude goes this week to our listeners around the world in the countries of China, Japan, and Canada, and in the states of Virginia, Massachusetts, and California. Welcome and thank you all for your continuing support because you keep tuning in and listening. Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit is a top-ranked show here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network, the oldest and most widely listened to online talk radio network. Thank you for listening and making this show success possible. I love hearing from you, so please Please keep sending me your questions and comments. And now for your tip for the week from my ebook, 33 Tips for Self-Empowerment. I wrote this book because when you are self-empowered, you are connected to your limitless higher self. Your soul, your intuition, your gut feelings, your guidance. Our limitless higher self is the wiser part of ourselves, the part that knows the truth of who we are. Our logical mind is so loud, however, that it often drowns out the whisper that's trying to guide us on our authentic path. As you learn to listen to the still, small voice within, you will begin to feel at peace because your limitless higher self has direct access to the divine. It is through this connection that miracles occur, like unexpected healing, healthy relationships, peace, and wealth. This connection gives you an inner foundation of love, which eliminates fear. It is through this love that you can heal the planet and yourself and make the shift into the fourth dimension earth. Our higher self helps us find safety and even save our own life and others' lives. We must train ourselves to trust our higher self and never go against it. Don't talk yourself out of something that feels right to you or let what others say or think influence what you do. Please use these tips. My tip for this week is in honor of our topic today. Carrie Lavender. Lavender draws good luck to you. Keep a small amount of lavender oil or the dried leaves in your pocket or purse. Lavender is probably my favorite essential oil. In addition to bringing good luck, it's also calming and pleasant smelling. I put a drop on my palm every morning. I put some in a diffuser that I run all the time. I spray some on my pillow at night for more relaxed sleep. I also use it in rituals to bring in financial abundance and good luck. And when I do space clearings and blessings, it's one of the essential oils that I always use because it helps clear negative energy and also brings in positive energy, raising the vibration in the space. Lavender was the first essential oil that I ever used. My closest friend had suffered a stroke, and a group of us were gathered in the hospital waiting room for days, waiting to see if she would regain consciousness. I was having a great deal of difficulty managing my anxiety. Her son, Tim, is a healer and suggested I use lavender oil to help calm myself. It worked beautifully, and since then, I have always kept a small bottle with me. It also created my fascination with essential oils, which has led to an expansion of my knowledge and ability to use the oils in new and creative ways. 
In our first show of the year, Psychic Dwan Washington emphasized the importance of our growing in hope, compassion, and love. He called it a soul lesson. That's why my next workshop is Discovering Hope and Silver Linings. No matter what is going on in your life or in the world, you can always find something to be grateful for. Happiness is the result of how we think about our circumstances and not what our circumstances are. When we focus on the negative, that's all we see, and we miss the amazing things that are good in our lives. I've learned to notice what I wish were different, but not dwell on it. Yes, I feel, I cry, I mourn, and I take action to change what I can. I no longer get stuck in the pain and drama. Instead, I keep my attention on the good things, the things that make me smile and bring me joy and hope. From that place of gratitude and happiness, it's easy to bring in more of the same so that the good things keep multiplying. When something is especially challenging, I focus on what I am learning and how I am growing in wisdom, knowledge, strength, patience, compassion, empathy, and or love, including self-love. There's always something to be grateful for. Yet, 80% of our thoughts are negative, and even worse, 90% of our thoughts about ourselves are negative. We worry one to eight hours a day. Most heart attacks occur Sunday night due to worry about work, and only 8% of what we worry about actually happens. Negative thoughts eat up our time, energy, health, and self-esteem. If you can take action, do so. If not, you must discover new ways of thinking and focusing on hope and silver linings. Our very lives depend on it. In our time together, you will learn how to shift your thoughts from fear, worry, and negativity to hope, find the silver linings in every situation, have compassion for yourself and others. We'll be meeting on Saturday, March 3rd. For details and registration, go to paulajoyce.com. If you don't live in Dallas, contact me for individual or group coaching or invite me to give a speech or to present this workshop or another one like overcoming abuse in your area. Choosing to be positive, choosing to think, see, feel, and act in new and healthier ways is the heart of uplift your life, nourishment of the spirit. We all have choices, but we can't make the best choices for ourselves if we don't know what the options are. This show provides you with new information on health and healing, with an emphasis on spirituality and the connection between our thoughts, emotions, and physical and mental health. We can all choose happiness, gratitude, abundance, love, peace, and positivity as we all allow ourselves to know the truth of our own experiences and feel the pain of our past or present life and let it go. We open ourselves up to the joy of being fully alive in every moment. We change the energy in our body and literally become younger and healthier, feel lighter and have more energy. We truly know and feel the joy, beauty, and love in our lives. My show helps you do that by providing you with new information, perspectives, and techniques, inspirational stories, and guests who are thought leaders in their field like our guest today. In last week's show, Dr. Pia Orlean shared the importance of honoring our body cycles, resting when we need to, and connecting with nature. She pointed out that the belief systems in the society we live in determine our behavioral patterns, many of which are harmful to us. We've come to believe that we must be constantly producing, but this takes a heavy toll on our health and our longevity. The brain and body need rest and in order to function at their best. Pia said that you can get in harmony with nature using the simple technique of following the cycle of your breath. When you breathe in, you go inward and become introspective. When you breathe out, you move outward into the world, taking action. And the moon cycles follow the same um, cycle with the full moon being when we take action and the new moon being when we go inward. We need both components of the cycle. Marion Stevens 
had Stephens had this insight. Dr. Paula and Dr. Pia Orlean share many compelling ideas on how to improve relationships. They both stress the importance of loving oneself first and foremost, which leads to being able to completely love another. Pia helped me articulate how it feels necessary to have intimacy, trust in myself, and balance in order to have a strong relationship. To listen to this show, I encourage you to click on the episode link on this page. For previous shows on this topic, please listen to Nan Russell on July 13th, 2017, Zenda Brook on May 19th, 2016, and Donald Altman on April 21, 2016. You can hear these shows or any others that you may have missed or want to listen to again. That's the beauty of having the shows on demand. As one listener said, when she listens more than once, the information sinks in at deeper levels and she picks up new ideas she had missed previously. You have easy access anytime, day or night, allowing you to listen when it fits you your schedule or needs. Some people listen when relaxing, sharing time with a loved one, exercising, commuting in the middle of the night or when needing hope, comfort and inspiration. Whenever it is, I'm here for you. As my regular listeners know, my passion is to help people better their lives by releasing their fears and blossoming into who they are meant to be. These weekly episodes and my previous blog posts have been designed with this goal in mind. In my new blog posts, I'm sharing my tip of the week, my silver lining story, and a response from a listener, Marion Steffens, who is using the information in my radio show to change her life. Her first email to me impressed me so much that I invited her to be a regular part of my blog. I hope we inspire you to change your life. I've already gotten this response from Janet. Marion and her new hubby are doing what I'm trying to do with Elliot, and she's right. I don't have the language for connection. I've been getting more into spirituality and looking for greater authenticity and connection with people. I've hit a bit of a wall, and I feel like you just opened another door. Thank you. I'm going to try and attend the March 3rd workshop. All my previous blogs are on my website, paulajoyce.com, and the second post with Marion's story will be up tomorrow. Be sure to check it out and follow Marion's progress. Now it's time for my silver lining story. Fred Rogers, creator of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, was fond of saying that his mother told him to look for the helpers when something scary was in the news. She was a wise woman, and the people who deliver the news are finally beginning to understand what she knew. When there's a mass shooting like in Florida last week, broadcasters are spending less time talking about the shooter and more time talking about the heroes, the victims, and the people who are working for changes in gun laws so as to ensure the safety of our children and each of us. People are gathering around the concept of never again, and they're honoring those who died by taking action to prevent this kind of mass shooting from ever happening again. That's the silver lining in a horrific situation. Essential oils are a liquid. I thought it would be fun to share this piece I wrote in 2000 as a meditation on the element of water. I am water. I flow, I meld, I move with love, with freedom, with joy, with ease, with grace. I move seamlessly sometimes. Other times I move with great power, noise, strength, and energy. I can create a glass surface or a raging, storming torrent. I can meander or I can race or anything in between. I am clear, white blue, green, turquoise, I am dark, I am light, I am some of all things, I give life and carry life, and I take and destroy life. I am a conduit of sound and light and feeling and energy, love and joy. I am water. 
You're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor. If you want to get uplifting messages between shows, please click on the link to like us on Facebook. In addition to posting all our shows, I post special uplifting messages to you, and I repost videos that will make you laugh, feel good about all the kindness in the world, fill your heart with the beauty of nature and animals, the delight of dance and music, and the joy of being alive. With all the violence, hurtful words, anger, and fear that's being spread, we must find a way to keep ourselves positive. Only like and follow the people who add positivity to the world. The answer to hate is love. As Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. While listening to the commercials, go to my website, paulajoyce.com, to like us on Facebook. Then friend Paula Joyce, and I'll help you be part of the solution. Read about and register for my Discovering Hope and Silver Linings workshop, or contact me to schedule one in your area. And be sure to read my new blog. Your question for today is, how can using essential oils add to the quality of your life? Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. Time for a fresh perspective. From leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission, Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drpaulajoyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. And I always appreciate hearing from you, my listeners. So um, please let me know how I can help you to become more of who you are. And I am so pleased to welcome Graham Phillips to talk about the discovery that King Arthur is not a myth. I love this. I'm so excited to talk with you about this, Graham. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me on. 
Well, you're welcome. It's really a treat because I love Merlin and and the whole thing. So it's fascinating that this is all real. How how did you even get interested in exploring this? Well, when I was younger, I read all the tales about King Arthur and I'd seen the movies about him and uh, I was fascinated to um, to find out, you know, where these stories had originated. And cutting a long story short, the King Arthur tales we know today began in around about the year 1130 with various authors in Britain and France and elsewhere in Europe writing what became known as the Arthurian romances. They're basically romantic stories about King Arthur and his knights. And these stories are the ones where Arthur is a knight in shining armour, he fights with a broadsword, he lives in a huge gothic castle, he rescues damsels in distress and fights dragons and there's magicians, wizards, witches. Now, obviously, this particular character is a, a, a work of fiction, but what I found fascinating is that If you look at the historical record, about three or four hundred years before the very first of these Arthurian romances was written, there are historical records referring to a genuine historical King Arthur who ruled Britain around about the year 500 AD. And that is the character I decided to try and find out more about. Well, and I'm so glad you did, because what you've discovered is so fascinating. Um, And I'm curious, why do you think that he moved into myth rather than history? Because the period that he lived is what is known as the Dark Ages. The Roman Empire had collapsed in the 400s. And for a good few hundred years after that, in Britain, law and order completely broke down. Uh, The country divided into lots of feuding kingdoms. Very few records were kept and even fewer have survived for us to read today. So we don't know very much about what was going on in this period that Arthur lived in. And if the earliest accounts are correct, he lived around about the year 500, smack bang in the middle of the Dark Ages, from which there are very few historical records. So obviously, as time went by, whatever was known about King Arthur was just passed on by word of mouth. And you end up with a kind of Chinese whispers game where eventually his true exploits become more and more exaggerated as the years go by. So who was King Arthur really? (laughs) Okay, well, he certainly wasn't, if he lived around the year 500, he certainly wasn't a knight in shining armour, because that kind of plate armour that we now associate with the Knights of the Round Table wasn't invented until the Middle Ages, until around about the year 1200 and thereafter. Um, he certainly wouldn't have lived in a huge Gothic castle either. Um, the, in fact, the, the, in around about the year 500, the Roman Empire hadn't long collapsed. The kind of armour that people would have worn would have been Roman style. The swords they would have fought with would have been shorter Roman style swords and their fortifications rather than huge Gothic brick castles would have been wooden stockades built on top of embankments surrounded by moats. So it would have been a very different kind of world that King Arthur inhabited than the one we tend to imagine today. The reason he is actually depicted in the stories in the Middle Ages as being a knight in shining armour in a castle is because people who wrote these stories based on earlier accounts of, of King Arthur didn't have any idea how people many hundreds of years before lived. And if you actually look at paintings, for example, of the crucifixion, you see that are painted in the Middle Ages, you'll see that they depict Roman soldiers dressed in armour of medieval knights because they literally had no idea how Roman soldiers looked. So this is why King Arthur is portrayed in a wrong historical setting. So the real historical Arthur is more of a Roman style soldier fighting in Britain in a 
shall we say, a stockade kind of fortress set, setting rather than a castle. That's the kind of historical King Arthur we're looking for. So why should we care about this, what appears to be less interesting man? Why is he important? Well, he's in fact far more interesting. Well, in some ways, okay, he probably didn't fight dragons or rescue <laughs> damsels in distress. But what he did do is he was really, in a sense, one of the last of the Roman elite to rule in Britain. The, the Roman Empire had collapsed at the end of the 400s. And Britain, being an island, still maintained a certain amount of Roman civilization. So they still had Roman towns and cities. And Arthur seems to have been the last of the Roman-style rulers in Britain before the whole place descended into anarchy. In fact, very shortly after the Roman legions left Britain in the 400s, the Anglo-Saxons, who originally came from Germany, invaded this country. And Arthur, as far as the earliest records are concerned, was the man who was the last of the Roman-style Britons to keep this enemy at bay. And after he died, Britain was invaded by the Anglo-Saxons. And it was the end, really, of the Roman Empire. So in a sense, you could say that King Arthur was the last emperor Fascinating. So how did all this talk of Camelot and this ideal civilization of peace and caring and love and so on, where did that come from and how did that match with the reality? Well, the idea of Camelot, I suppose you would, you would say that if you're looking for a real King Arthur, you're going to look for a place called Camelot and let's have a look what the archaeology tells us about that. Well, sadly, even though some of these early references to Arthur um, refer to this man as a warrior who united the Britons in their fight against the invading Anglo-Saxons, um, they talk about him ruling from a uh, very sophisticated city, if you like, the capital of Britain at the time, they don't give it a name. Um, the word Camelot, incidentally, was invented by a poet around about the year 1200 to rhyme with the name Lancelot. So we know it wasn't called Camelot. Whatever it was called, it seems that during the Dark Ages, the name of the original capital was completely forgotten. So what I decided to do to try and find out where, where this Camelot might have been or where at least the city that Arthur is thought to have ruled from might have been is to think, well, what was the capital of Britain around 500? Now, the Roman capital of Britain had been London, but that had been overtaken by the Anglo-Saxons because it's in the east of the country by the time Arthur is on the scene, which left the capital of Britain as a city by the name of Viraconium, which is smack bang in the middle of Britain. And interestingly, unlike London, which is now a modern city and the Roman ruins are beneath the pavements and office blocks of the city, Viraconium, once it was eventually abandoned, uh, never became a modern city. And so the ruins are still there in open countryside, the foundations and some of the walls. And it's meant that archaeologists have been able to do a lot of work there. And it turns out that at the very time that Arthur is said to have lived, Viraconium was massively refortified. And this was a period of time when a lot of the other Roman cities were being abandoned for more easily defendable hillside fortifications. Now, Viraconium was not only massively refortified and rebuilt, but right at the center of the city, there was created a huge uh, Roman-style palatial villa. In other words, it was the palace, if you like, of an important uh dark age warlord now the archaeologists archaeologists say that whoever it was who had the power and the influence to organize the rebuilding and redefending of viraconium and creating this 
palace in the middle of it must have been the person who united the Britons to defeat the Anglo-Saxons for a while around the year 500. So if there was an historical King Arthur, that's where he came from. How fascinating. Um, you've done just a huge amount of work to discover all of this. Um, and, and you make it sound so interesting. I have to say that history can be so dull, and yet your excitement about it carries through um, in, in your discussion. Well, thank you. I, it, I certainly I find it exciting because, um, obviously, I'm telling it now all in one go, but this did take over 20 years of research bit by bit. And so there was a lot of time spent sitting in libraries and interviewing archaeologists and historians and piecing the whole thing together. But when, for example, you come across um, archaeological research, like I've just mentioned, that shows that there's a palace being built by a guy who is obviously a very powerful person in the largest city in the country at the time, but when we are told that King Arthur lived and you're thinking, wow, you know, <laughs> it looks like I'm, I'm really onto something. It is exciting. And what really I found absolutely the most exciting moment of all is when I found the name of the person who ruled from Viriconium at this time. Uh, there was a monk called Gildas who wrote within living memory of that time. And he's one of the few writings that survived from that period. He tells us that the man who ruled from Viriconium he doesn't give his name, but he calls him the bear. Now, a lot of warriors at that time had animal names. They were given honorific titles of animals that represented their battle prowess. For example, a fox would be cunning. And the man he refers to as ruling from Viriconium was called the bear. And the bear, now this is fascinating, he wrote in Latin, in which the word bear is ursus. But if you use the the word for bear in Brythonic, which was the language spoken in Britain at that time, the word for a bear is Arth, A-R-T-H, oh. oh which my. could very well have become the more lyrical sounding Arthur. So the man who seemed to be the most powerful man in the country at the very time that um, Arthur is said to have been the most powerful man in the country was called Arth. So it does seem he existed. How fascinating. And to put all these clues together and to come up um, and, and fit all the pieces together, it's, it's fascinating to me. Um, uh, we have a, just a couple minutes till break. I'm wondering if we have time to talk about Excalibur. Yes, Excalibur is one of the legends that I thought was very unlikely to have been based on any historical fact. Camelot could have been based on this city of Viriconium. Um, but I thought that, Cam that, that Excalibur was an unlikely sounding story. For example, we're told that, um, that when Arthur is dying on the field of battle, he gets one of his knights to throw Excalibur into a lake and the arm of the Lady of the Lake grabs the weapon and takes it down into the water. All sounds very made up. But interestingly, at the time that Arthur is said to have lived, there was a practice, a tradition amongst British warriors that during their funeral, their sword would be thrown into a sacred pool or lake as an offering to a water goddess. And I believe that this is where the, the tradition came from of the sword being thrown to this mysterious nymph creature, the Lady of the Lake. And in fact, what really clinches it for me is that the goddess of the Britons, the water goddess of the Britons was called Viviana and the Lady of the Lake in the Arthurian romances is called Vivian. So <laughs> I believe that there was an Excalibur and it was thrown into a lake somewhere. I love it. And I know you're still looking for it. So I look forward to hearing more as um, after our break. I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, and you're listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. While you're listening to the commercials, click on the link to sign up for my newsletter. You'll receive the free chapter on my ultimate creative problem-solving process for my best-selling book, which will help you 
you release hidden fears and blockages to hearing your soul, your true self, your inner wisdom, healing at deep levels and getting what you truly want in life. This process came to me in that space that Robert Moss talked about between sleeping and waking. It was a gift from the spiritual realm that helps my clients align their conscious and unconscious mind and move forward with ease and speed. They change from the inside out, creating lasting change and self-empowerment. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Graham Phillips to talk more about his discoveries that King Arthur is not a myth. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Be the best that you can be. Dr. Paula invites you to meet with her for a -a one-of-a-kind breakthrough coaching session. Dissolve hidden barriers to your goals, solve your most challenging problems, and unleash your inner power. Visit PaulaJoyce.com or call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, at 214-208-3533 to find out more and to schedule your free consultation. Whether it's individual or group, business or personal, attain success with ease. Mention that you heard this on Uplift Your Life and receive 10% off your first service. Call 214-208-3533 or visit PaulaJoyce.com today. Time for a fresh perspective from leadership development to team building and re-imaging your mission. Dr. Paula has game-changing speeches and presentations crafted just for you. She has helped leading experts solve their key challenges and can help you too while reducing stress and increasing your profitability. With Dr. Paula, you will find common ground in innovative solutions. Start now with a free consultation. Call Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor, today at 214-208-3533 or visit paulajoyce.com. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. You are listening to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit with Dr. Paula Joyce. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Dr. Paula Joyce at gmail.com. Now, back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. If you're just tuning in, I'm your host, Dr. Paula, the Life Doctor. Welcome back to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. And I'm enjoying so much having Graham Phillips here talking with us about his discovery that King Arthur is not a myth. And in these these whole stories of King Arthur, one of my favorite characters is Merlin. And so I wondered if you would talk with us some about Merlin. And I know this idea that maybe Merlin was a generic name and and not just one person. Yes, it's interesting that um, the name Merlin in Old Brythonic, the language spoken at the time, uh, means eagle. Um, there's still actually a small bird of prey called the Merlin today. And as oh I mentioned before... Arthur seems to have come from a, uh, a, a, an honorific battle name of an animal, the bear. Many people in Celtic, ancient British society, were given names of animals, not only warriors, but uh, holy men. For example, there's a, a famous priest who lived in Britain called uh, uh, Columba, whose name in original um, Brythonic was the dove. Uh, because he spread peace. Now, Merlin seems to have been the name, uh, the eagle, which was a name that was handed on to a number of people who were, if you like, head druids, head priests in British society um, during the Dark Ages. What is fascinating is there is a man, an historical figure that's recorded by the Romans by the name of Ambrosius Aurelius, who could have been the historical Merlin. Now, he's recorded 
as being a British soldier who was in the Roman army. And he, in fact, he, although he was born in, or seems to have been born in Britain, he was the descendant of a Roman emperor by the name of Marcus Aurelius. And for those wow. who have seen, if you've seen the film Gladiator, then at the very beginning, there's the good emperor who's played by Richard Harris. He is Marcus Aurelius. And so a few generations later, Ambrosius Aurelius is this general who lives in Britain in the late 400s. And he's one of the last Roman soldiers here. He's basically in charge of Britain slightly before the period that Arthur comes on the scene. And he seems to have re just retired completely from uh, military life. Maybe he was wounded, maybe he was too old, we don't know. But Ambrosius Aurelius, according to a monk by the name of Nennius, who wrote in the year 830, he tells us that this man Ambrosius um, met um, with a British chieftain at a place in Wales and he had a vision of two dragons that fought each other and he uh, basically uh, interpreted this vision as saying that this king would have a fight against some Anglo-Saxons and would lose the battle and so on and so forth. Now, that's an interesting uh, anecdote and he says that this man Ambrosius was the one who had this vision. Now, in the Arthurian romances that were written during the Middle Ages in the 1100s, a man called Geoffrey of Monmouth writes about Merlin in his earlier years, meeting this war warlord from Wales and having this vision of two dragons fighting each other and having exactly the same um, interpretation of this um, vision as Ambrosius has in Nennius's account. In other words, what happens to Ambrosius, according to this monk Nennius in the Dark Ages, is exactly what happens to Merlin in the stories of Merlin in the Middle Ages. So it seems that Ambrosius and Merlin are one and the same. And there is no doubt that Ambrosius existed because he is recorded as, uh, as living during his own lifetime. <laughs> and it seems that perhaps he gave up being a soldier, became a priest of some kind, maybe a druid, and then adopted this name Merlin, meaning the eagle, and perhaps then became an advisor to his um, successor, Arthur. So I believe that Merlin is another historical figure. Oh, how wonderful. And I also, I want to hear about the archaeological dig that you've organized, but can we touch on the Knights of the Round Table first, because they also fascinate me. Yes, in the, the, the Knights, the, the Round Table is brought into the Arthurian story in the Middle Ages, and it's said that there's this, uh, that the Arthur decides to have a big round table so that all the knights sitting round it, no one can be considered to be sitting at the head of the table. It gives a sense of equality amongst Arthur's warriors. Now, this is a, a medieval idea, but what's fascinating is during the historical period that Arthur is said to have existed uh, 1,500 years ago, Celtic warriors, British warriors, when they would meet together to have a conference or whether or when a king met with his leading warriors, they would sit in a circle around a cauldron from which they would all share a meal. And the idea is that they would all be equal sitting in a circle and they would all eat from the same cauldron so they could all trust each other that no one was going to get poisoned. And I believe that's probably where the idea of the round table originally came from. So fascinating because it's a real concept now, the, the idea of there being no head and there being equality when you have a round table. And I'm even thinking the idea of breaking bread together, of eating together, and that being an, a, a sign of peace and of togetherness and community may also come from the what you're just describing 
with eating from the same uh, cauldron. Absolutely. The idea was that if they all shared the same food, no one was going to be trying to poison anyone else. Absolutely wonderful. So many fascinating connections with um, our lives today and wisdom that that we currently use. So I want to hear about the archaeological dig because that also sounds wonderful. Well, I wanted to try and find out where this man who was known as the bear or Arf, who ruled from Viraconium, was eventually buried. I ultimately discovered his real name because, remember, the bear is his title. And so Arthur, if you like, is, is a person who's gone down in history under his title rather than his real name. And he, he wouldn't be the first person in history that that's happened to. Most of us have heard of Genghis Khan, the Mongol warrior. That wasn't his real name. That was simply a title it meant universal ruler his real name was temujin so there's a character who's gone down in history under his title rather than his real name now i wanted to find out who arthur's real name was and in the british library in london there is a manuscript that um holds in it a number of what they call genealogies family trees of kings who ruled in britain during the dark ages and from this we learned that the man who ruled from Viraconium around 500, who had the battle name, the bear, was re- his real name was Owen, Owen Thanguin. Now, this man, Owen, is, in my opinion, the historical Arthur. Firstly, he's ruling from the most sophisticated city in the country at exactly the time Arthur is said to have ruled from the most sophisticated city. And his name is Arth, which is remarkably similar to Arthur. So I wanted to know where this guy was buried, because if I could find this guy's grave, his tomb, then perhaps I'd found the tomb of the historical Arthur. And in another ancient manuscript that's in the Bodleian Library at Oxford University, there is an old poem written around about 650 AD talking about the burial site of the kings who ruled from Viraconium. And it actually tells us where Owen is buried. And it says he's buried at a place called the Churches of Bassa. Now, just about eight miles north of this city of Viraconium, which is quite close to a town today called Shrewsbury in the centre of England, there is a place called Bass Church Village. Bass Church, Churches of Bassa. It sounds so similar (laughs) that it's got to be one and the same. And just outside this village of Bass Church, there is a a mound, um, which uh, it's a, it's a big it's a little hill basically, um, and a good few acres in size. And limited archaeology that has been done there has shown that they that it was surrounded by earthworks, and it doesn't seem to have been a fort because, for example, an embankment surrounds it. And there is a ditch or a moat on the inside of the embankment, which is the wrong way round for if it was going to be used for defensive purposes. And therefore, it is thought to have been used for some kind of ceremonial reasons, perhaps a graveyard or a burial site. Now, in this poem, we are specifically told where that that, that, that Owen is buried in what appears to be a acre of land and out part of this this hill matches exactly the description in this poem so i needed to find out is there really a burial site there so i managed to get the head archaeologist of that county which is called shropshire involved the head archaeologist plus a number of other archaeologists with modern scientific equipment known as geophysics equipment which includes things like ground sensing radar which basically allows you to see what's in the soil without the need to dig it's a a radar that produces a image on a computer screen and they were able to scan the whole area and find that right in the middle of this acre of land there was the sign that a 
pit had once been dug, a circular pit had been dug about six feet wide and about six feet deep and had been refilled in again. The, the ground sensing radar can determine that that had happened. So somebody had built this circular pit, which is exactly, incidentally, how graves of important individuals were dug back 1500 years ago. They weren't oblong or square. They were these circular pits. But what's more fascinating still is right in the middle of this pit, there, were ev there was evidence that there was possibly a skeleton. But most interesting of all is there was a large piece of iron that the archaeologists believe was the central boss, the central part of a shield. And we know from other archaeological discoveries that warriors of the time Arthur is said to have lived were buried in circular pits at about six feet deep on their sides with a shield on their arm. And that is exactly what seems to be there right in the middle of the area where we're told that Owen is buried. Wow. So this is a major discovery. Indeed it is. And I'm, the next bit I'm going to be doing, hopefully in the new year, is get the archaeologists to start digging there. And then we'll know for certain whether I have found the lost tomb of King Arthur. Well, we look forward to hearing um, about that. And um, so I hope you'll come back and share that with us after um, you, you discover the truth of that. In the meantime, you can visit Graham Phillips at www.grahamphillips.net. Thank you so much for being with us and sharing such fascinating knowledge. My pleasure entirely. Thank you. And I'd like to thank my audience for joining us for Uplift Your Life Nourishment of the Spirit. If you enjoyed today's show, please click on the link to like us on Facebook. Then click on the link to my resources page to purchase Graham Phillips' book and go to my store to purchase my books. Then learn about my services, including coaching, speaking, hands-on healing, or remote healing, past life regressions, or to sponsor one of my experiential workshops such as overcoming abuse 21 steps for healing the body and the ultimate creative problem solving process and if you mention this show you get a 10% new client discount on my coaching which I do in person over Skype or on the phone when you work with me you get support guidance and healing from the spiritual realm the archangels angels and guides of a high and positive spiritual nature work through me and directly with my clients. My process helps you remove hidden blockages and connects your mind, body, and soul, resulting in faster progress and profound healing emotionally, mentally, and physically. My private and corporate clients improve their finances, health, and relationships. Click on the link to contact me and see for yourself. Then click on the link to register for my next workshop or to schedule one in your area and please email me with your questions about a difficulty in your own life an inspirational story or a comment about a show I want to hear from you. If you live in Dallas, I invite you to experience my ultimate creative problem-solving process by clicking on the meetup link on this page. This is Dr. Paula, your CM or chosen mom, as designated by Bernie Siegel. Remember, you are loved. Just let that feeling wash over you and through you. Have a blessed week. Thank you for tuning in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Please join Dr. Paula Joyce and her guest experts next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until then, have a positive week.